Praise the Lord. Bon dia. That means good morning in Portuguese. Everybody, let's try it. Say bon dia. Bon dia. Praise the Lord. Oh, thank you. It's really good to be here again with you guys. I want to, first of all, thank Pastor Tim and Melody for the privilege, the honor to be here, opening up your church, having this opportunity to minister to you guys. We were here last year, which was our first time, and so we're actually recognizing some faces here from the last time we were here, and uh, it's such a blessing uh, to be with you guys today. Um, just to tell you a little bit about ourselves, for some of you that don't know who we are, um, I actually graduated from Rama Bible Training Center in 1996, so that was back when the dinosaurs existed. And uh, my wife, she graduated from the equivalent of Rama, but in Brazil, and we actually work with Rama in Brazil. Uh, we work under the leadership of Guto Emery and Jan Wright, and we also work with Verbal Davida Ministries. We pastor a uh, um, church of about 1,500 members in the smallest state in Brazil, which is called Sergipe. I'm not going to make you say that this morning, all right? And uh, so we also, out of our church, we've been... Uh, pastoring for almost 25 years, this church now there, and uh, 13 other churches and four Bible schools have been birthed out of our church in Brazil and Argentina. So, uh, and we also, we began an in-mission program. I actually showed a video of it last year. Um, we were launching it last year. And so this year we've already had people that have come from the United States to be a part of our transcultural and missions program. We also have some people next month coming from Bolivia to be a part of it as well. And so I have a short video that I wanted to show you uh, because it may be of interest to some of you that are here to have this opportunity. So take a look if you would. is part of a worldwide ministry and for the last 25 years has managed to create a solid structure of work while dynamically impacting the body of Christ and its local community. Our wish is to use this platform to train you whose heart burns towards nations but maybe never had a practical transcultural experience before. Join in mission and come spend two to four weeks in Brazil being trained backstage on an administrative, departmental, and social levels. We never got stuck in the same thing. We weren't just in doing 
street evangelism. We went to children's shelters. We went to youth shelters. And we were able to have a big variety of different areas of ministry to show how broad ministry actually is. Lodging and food will be provided to you by a host family from our church. And if necessary, you'll have what we call a buddy designated to be your exclusive translator. I love my host family so much. They're like my real family. Like they made me feel at home so quickly. Something about missions affects the soul and affects your spirit. You know, later on as you live, it leaves an impression. And I, and I, and I would like to uh, have mobilized a lot of the younger people want to do uh, the missions. Sign up now through our website below and come have the best experience of your life. We hope to see you soon. So if you don't mind, there you go. So you guys can access DarrenRayMinistries.com. Any of you that are interested, maybe you're not interested for yourself, but you're interested for your children, for your grandchildren. We've had situations like that before as well. You can access on this website. You can both... uh, get all of the forms and the information that you need for the admission program. You can also get other uh, messages that I have ministered. Those are available if you're interested in becoming a partner with our ministry. All of that you can get through the website, okay? Praise the Lord. So, are you ready to hear the Word of God this morning? So, open your Bible, if you would, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. And before we actually read that passage together, I'd like to begin the message just quoting some scriptures to you. And as I do, I believe that you'll begin to see something similar in each verse that I quote to you. In Luke chapter 4 verse 1 says, And Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost, Acts chapter 2 verse 4 says that the 120 in the upper room were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts 4 verse 8 says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them. Acts 4 31, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Acts 6 5, They chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Ghost. Acts eleven twenty two through 24. Barnabas was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and faith. Acts 13, 9. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. Acts 13, 52. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Can anybody see a pattern here? (laughs) I know you may have gotten up a little late this morning, but I think everybody can acknowledge that each one of these scriptures are talking about people being full of the Holy Ghost. Being full of the Holy Ghost was a condition in which both Jesus and the disciples of the early church, they lived in. 
They walked in this on a daily basis. And so to have mentioned in the Bible that many times about being full of the Holy Ghost, it has to have a certain level of of significance. Or the Bible wouldn't have, you know, the Holy Spirit would not have inspired that to have been said so many times. And so if it was important for all of them, then it must be important for us. Amen? So I want to look with you in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. It says this, And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. And so up until now... I've only made reference to people in the Bible that were full of the Holy Ghost. But here the Apostle Paul is writing a letter specifically that applies to us. And he says to every one of us that we should also be full of the Holy Spirit. So this isn't something that was just for Jesus. This isn't something that was just for the early church. This is something that is for all of us. And I want you to notice the tone that he speaks. A lot of times when we read the Bible, um, we kind of just read the surface of it. We don't quite get the tone behind it. How many of you know you can say the same thing many different ways? There are different tones that we say things. And when Paul was talking here, um, in the same way that he gives us an order to not get drunk with wine. He also uses the same tone when speaking about being full of the Holy Spirit. He's saying this is something that you need to do. In other words, in God's eyes, this isn't something that's optional for believers. See, I've talked to people about the the baptism of the Holy Spirit, about being full of the Holy Ghost. And Depending on who you talk to, they, they act like it's something that's optional. Yeah, well, you know, I'm from a more traditional church. Yeah, you know, well, I was raised differently. But you know what? It doesn't matter if you're Baptist or Presbyterian or Pentecostal. The Lord wants all of His children to be full of the Holy Ghost. Doesn't matter who you are, what church you go to, how old you are, how long you've been born again. And the reason why, mainly, is because we cannot experience or exemplify as we should the Lord if we're not full of the Holy Ghost. We need that in our lives. Tell your neighbor, you need to be full of the Holy Ghost. Now, we read after Paul said that in verse 18 to be full of the Holy Ghost, he, he shares some things in three other verses right after. And what he's talking about in these three verses are the effects of being full of the Holy Ghost. Now, why should I be full of the Holy Ghost? Well, it's going to affect me in a, in a positive way in different areas of my life. 
Um, in verse 19, he speaks about praise and worship to God. Have you ever noticed that when people get happy, they start to sing? My dad, I remember going several times and seeing him shaving in the bathroom. And he would be singing Frank Sinatra. <laughs> Strangers in the night. Why was he singing? Because he was happy. You know, one of the results of being full of the Holy Ghost is that people will have a song in their hearts to the Lord. They'll just be singing with joy in their hearts while they're washing the dishes, while they're driving the car, while they're paying bills. How many of you know if you can sing while you're paying bills, you have to be full of the Holy Ghost? Can you say amen? Now, in verse 20, Paul speaks about thankfulness. And, and notice that he says, giving thanks always. Can you help me out? Everybody say always. always. We need to be reminded of that sometimes, don't we? He says always we should be giving thanks for all things. In other words, it's not something that's to be done just when you receive a gift. It's... Really, the only way that this can be done, the way he's speaking about, is by spiritual means. Because it's not really that difficult to give thanks to God when everything's going your way. But how many of you know that in life, if you've been alive more than about a week or two, then you know that not everything in life goes your way, right? But even in, in the times that aren't that comfortable, that doesn't seem to be that good, the Bible teaches us that we are to give thanks. You know, people that have a lifestyle, and this is something that the Lord's been dealing with me more and more in recent times, is about eliminating completely murmuring and complaining from my life. You know, if you're not careful, it can become a habit. You get in the habit of murmuring. You get in the habit of complaining. But you know what the Bible says about it? It says that the people of Israel, they open the door to the destroyer through murmuring. And so there's a reason that God doesn't want us to murmur or complain. And the, and the, the only way that you can live a lifestyle free from murmuring is when you're full of the Holy Ghost. One of the effects is you will be giving thanks. You cannot murmur and give thanks at the same time. Amen? Verse 21, Paul talks about submission to other people. Believers that are truly full of the Holy Ghost, they will have a humble attitude towards other people. They don't have to be right about everything. They don't force their will on the will of another person. On the contrary, many times they'll actually deprive themselves of certain privileges in order to honor the other person. Believers that have a disrespect for authority and for other people in general, it's because they're not being full of the Holy Ghost. And so all of these things are effects that take place when someone is full of Holy Ghost. I guess that shows you why why so many people, what, what the answer is of why they're acting the way they are is because they're not being full of the Holy Ghost. Amen? 
Now, going back to verse 18, notice that the phrase says, be filled with the Spirit. And I'm sure that pastor has mentioned this in other times, but in the Greek, the word filled is in the present continual tense. And it should be translated like this, be being filled with the Spirit. In other words, it isn't something that should be done just once, but it should be continual and a continual act in the life of the believer. There is one baptism in the Holy Spirit, but there are many refillings of the Spirit after that initial um, baptism, that initial experience that you have with the Holy Ghost. Now, somebody might ask, but... You know, if we're already filled, and this is a question that I had, if we're already filled with the Holy Ghost, why do we need to be refilled with the Holy Ghost? Didn't make a lot of sense to me at one time in my life. But I had, um, when I was first starting to drive and I was talking to your daughter, uh, she's just getting her learner's permit. My daughter just got her driver's license. And when... When I started driving, I had clunkers for cars. I don't know how many of you, you began with a Mercedes-Benz or a BMW, but I began with clunkers. And I remember that both, I had two cars in particular that had uh, major issues. One was the radiator. It was leaking water. And it was so bad that I had several uh, two-liter bottles full of water that I put in my trunk. And while I was driving, I would watch the gauge. And I would notice that as it would get hot, it would heat up. Once it got real hot, then I would stop the car, I'd get one of those two-liter bottles, I'd put it in the radiator, I'd sit there for a little while, let the car get cool, and then I would go on. And that was my routine. Then I had another car. It had an oil leak. And it was so bad, I had to put a liter of oil per, per day. Yeah. And so, you know, I got to thinking about these cars and these major leaks. And I thought, well, if I'm full of the Holy Ghost and I need to be refilled, do I got a leak? <laughs> Am I leaking? Is that our problem? Is that our issue? Is that why we need it to be done? You know, um, if I were to give you... And I don't have it right here. But if I, if I had a glass of water and I were to give it to you, it would quench your thirst for a while, right? But if I wanted to quench someone else's thirst here in the auditorium, how many of you know I'd have to fill that up again? And so God's idea is that we be full of the Spirit, not just to quench our thirst, but to also quench the thirst of other people. I used to be a waiter when I was studying at Ramah. And uh, one of the things I would do, we, would, we, would, we were real discreet about it, but all of us, we would be looking at each other's tables and we'd be looking at their glasses to see if they were empty or not. And if they were, we'd immediately go to fill it up. That was our mission, to keep their glasses full. And you know what? That's really what we're supposed to do spiritually. God, He expects us to, to be full, but to also fill others through our fullness. You know, if you've ever been to a, a really nice hotel, some of them have those 
really sophisticated waterfalls. And they may have, not waterfall, water fountain, I'm sorry. And, and some of them may have three to four tiers. And as that water is coming out, it fills up one tier and then runs over into the next. And then it fills that one up and then runs over into the next. And really, that is the image that God has for us. He wants us to be so full of His Spirit that He actually is running or overflowing from us on to other people. Amen. You need to splash on somebody around you. You need to have something to to splash them with. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so, you know, a lot of times, you know, ministering to people, we've made it so difficult because you can get into techniques and you can get into step one, step two, and step three. But I'm going to tell you what, if you just fill yourself up with the Holy Ghost, then you will have something. (laughs) Not only will you be blessed, but you will have something for those around you. A lot of times it will be involuntary. You know, I've been full of the Holy Ghost at times, and I've said things, and, and I was just speaking. I thought I was just speaking, but it was prophetic, and it like set someone free, and there, it was an answer to their prayer. Are you hearing me this morning? And so, you know, that's God's plan. You, you need to understand that God has always designed us, and you will only find true satisfaction in life When not only have you learned to receive the blessings of God for yourself, but also you've learned to be a blessing to other people. You will be incomplete if all you do is focus on yourself. You will be one of the most non-satisfied, miserable people because God, He created us to be vessels of His blessing, vessels of His glory. That's why He gives um, gifts of the Spirit. Did you know that gifts of the Spirit, if they are given to me, then they're not for me? If I receive a gift from the Holy Spirit, then it's because He wants me to deliver that to someone. We're, we're delivery boys, delivery girls. He gives us this gift. We give this gift to this one. He gives us this gift. We give this gift to another one. Amen. Whether it be prophecy, whether it be, you know, gifts of healings or whatever that may be. I know that um, going back to being, being full of the Holy Spirit, the concept of it. Um, there in Brazil, several years ago, Adam and I, we had the opportunity to buy our first brand new car. And, uh, of course, we had used cars up to that point. And when we bought the, the car, um, I, I'm a negotiator. I, I, I learned this at a young age. And so um, that's a big deal in Brazil. You're always negotiating. They'll always jack the price up so that you, they'll give a margin so you can bring it down and whatever it is. And um, so I learned that not only can you negotiate the price of a new car, but you can also negotiate things like the rugs and the, the um, you call it tent? Is that what you call on the on the windows? 
And uh, also even gas, because you can buy a new car and it be, have a quarter tank of gas or a half a tank of gas. And so I remember when we buy it and I said, listen, I want a full tank of gas. I want it full. Well, yeah, but we need it. No, no. If you want me to buy this car, you're going to give me a full tank of gas. And so anyway, I got the full tank of gas. Now, how many of you know that once you get a new car, you want to take everybody out to ride in your car to smell that that new smell and, and just go around and, 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 and you, so you'll drive around with your family and things like that. Well, how many of you know after you drive that for a while, there's going to come a place in time where that tank is going to be empty, right? And you cannot go back to the dealership and say, listen, y'all, um, my tank's empty and uh, I am demanding another full tank of gas. How many of you know they're going to shut you down real quick? They're going to say, no, you, you're misunderstanding here. We already gave you a full tank of gas. You ran that gas out. It's your responsibility from this point forward to fill the tank. It's not ours. Don't come back to us. Let me tell you something. That is exactly what happened in the Spirit. When we were baptized in the Holy Ghost, God gave us a full tank of gas. And over time that we're going to need to refill that tank, and it's not his responsibility, it becomes ours. That's why so many people are not full of the Holy Ghost, because they're waiting for God to do something that only they can do. God doesn't do that independently of us. Amen. And so biblically speaking, we can see, and you've probably experienced this in your own life, I know I have, but we can see that it's possible to be full of the Holy Spirit one day and they'd be spiritual dry, spiritually dry the next day. Have any of you felt like you've been spiritually dry? Lift your hand. Okay. Those that didn't lift their hand, they're lying. <laughs> All of us at some point in time. And, and see, when we can see the same type of analogy in the life of David. Look what it says in Psalms 23, 5. He says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. And then in Psalms 42, 1 and 2, he says, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God. And so notice that we see two distinct situations in the life of David here in these two verses. In the one, he's overflowing with the Spirit. In the other, he's spiritually dry. Now, I was talking to a nutritionist sometime back, and she said something that shocked me. I had never heard anybody say this before. But she said that we, in general, should not get thirsty. And I thought, say what? She said, yeah, we should not get thirsty. She said, we should hydrate ourselves so frequently and so much that we do not feel thirsty or experience thirst anymore. Now, when we talk about thirsting for God, in general, we're talking about having a desire for Him. And we know that that is a good thing, you know, that's important. But could it be that one of the reasons that we're so thirsty for God is simply because we have not been drinking 
from the rivers of the Holy Spirit like we should. I got to thinking about that. Because when you're constantly drinking, there will also be constantly quenching. Amen? It's what Acts 3.19 calls a refreshing that comes from the presence of the Lord. And so we should be living in a continual Holy Ghost satisfaction. The reason why some people are so parched is because they've been weeks without filling themselves up with the Holy Ghost. And so they come to the Lord basically crawling, Lord, oh, I'm so thirsty. Are you with me? Well, if you're continually drinking, then you'll be continually quenched. Thank you for your enthusiasm. (laughs) You know, we had a, uh, in 2018, there in in Brazil, we had a a big problem that arrived, uh, that arised, arose. Um, the, The truck drivers, they all went on strike And, uh, you know, they were wanting more money and things like that. And you need to understand that in Brazil, if you eliminate the trucks, you shut down the country because you don't have all these other types of transportation. What distributes everything around the country are the truck drivers. And so when they say we're going on strike, that's a big deal. And so that happened in 2018. And the first thing that the country began to lack was gasoline. And it was the first time that we really began to realize how important gas is to our daily life. A lot of times we don't we take things for granted. We have no idea. It seems so small. It seems so insignificant, but when you remove that, you begin to see the damage, the repercussion, how important that is for everyday life. And so Gas, if gas isn't making it to the tanks of many different types of transportation that exists, it's going to create chaos. It's going to create many negative repercussions. For example, people, number one, aren't going to be able to drive their cars. They're not going to be able to get around. I remember, and Admiral will remember this too, we would see uh, at gas stations, cars would be in line for three to four hours just so they could fill up their tank with gas. There were fewer buses because public transportation is a big deal there. A lot of people don't have cars, and they rely on public transportation. But because there was no gas, then they had to decrease the amount of public transportation that was available. And that uh, affected people that weren't able to get to work like they needed to in other places as well. Flights got canceled. Grocery stores were without basic food items, uh, toilet paper became a luxury, especially for me. I go to the bathroom quite a bit. (laughs) Dale knows what I'm talking about. And so all of these negative things happen because people's tanks weren't getting filled up with gas. And so spiritually, when we don't fill ourselves up with the Spirit then it also creates negative repercussions in our lives. Amen?
I want, to, I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 11, verse 24. Luke chapter 11 and verse 24, it says, When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finding none. He says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worth Worse than the first. Now, notice where the unclean spirit walks, according to what Jesus says. He says, in dry places. If you're not full of the Holy Spirit, then you are dry spiritually. And it's in the dry places that the unclean spirit walks. I believe that the devil finds space in Christians' lives because they simply haven't been careful to keep themselves full of the Holy Ghost. Because of that, they end up filling themselves with other things like bitterness, envy, strife, sensuality, and other things like that. See, we can't be full of two things at the same time. We'll either be full of the Holy Spirit or we'll be full of carnal things. And that's why the only way to overcome the flesh is not by trying to empty yourself of sin, but it's by seeking to fill yourself up with the Spirit. See, a lot of people, they try to do that. They know that they've got things that need to be fixed. They know they've got attitudes that need to be changed. And so they try so hard to empty themselves of that. Oh, I've got to get this out of my life. But it's not about what you empty, it's about what you feel. Because if you'll fill yourself up with the Holy Spirit, then automatically it will flush those other things out. There'll be no more room left for the devil's stuff. Amen? Praise the Lord. You know, Isaiah 44.3 says, For I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. If you're feeling a little dry spiritually, then thank God there's a solution for you. God's got a word from you, for you. God pours out water on the thirsty and floods on the dry ground. But when is it that he does it, all of this? He does it when we fill ourselves up with his spirit. When we fill ourselves up with the spirit, then God will pour out. His water on our thirst. There are two main sources really that fill us up with the Spirit. Number one is the Word of God. And number two is prayer. And I want to talk to you just real quick about those two things. In John chapter 6 verse 63, Jesus was speaking. And He says... It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Say, they are spirit. 
So Jesus says that his words, the words that he speaks are spirit. So if you are full of the word, then technically you will also be full of the spirit to a certain degree because his word is spirit. Now that's why the Apostle Paul said in Colossians 3.16 that the word of God might dwell in you richly. If you have a large amount of the word inside of your heart. And let me just say this. The way that that happens is through meditation. I believe that meditation has not received the amount of, of importance that it really has to our lives. You know, when you read the, the scriptures, then uh, it can bless you. It will bless you. But if it, if it is not meditated on, pondered, thought about, spoken of your life, then it really doesn't get deep within you. Um, that's how you get roots. You know, the Bible talked about a certain amount of people, that, uh, a certain group of people that they heard the Word of God and they got excited about it. Oh man, they were clapping, they were laughing, they were like, yeah, this is the Lord speaking to me. But he said it was for a small moment of time because they had no root in themselves. But then if you go over to Psalms chapter 1, he talks about the man that meditates day and night in the Word of God, he will be like a tree planted by the waters. You know what the characteristics of a tree that's planted by the waters is? It will grow strong firm, solid roots. And so what he's doing is he's teaching us that meditation in the Word is, will, is what roots us. It, it gets in us. And that's how the Word of God dwells in you richly is through meditating. And so um, I have focused on, and, and this may sound strange to some, but on reading less and meditating more. Because if you read three hours and you meditate three minutes then you're going to retain in all likeness a very small amount of what you consume. But if you will meditate, you know, at least half of the amount that you read, then all of a sudden you're, you're getting roots. That's getting in you. And, and it gets in you in a way that nobody can pull it out of you. Not even the devil. Not just people, but the circumstances can't pull it out of you. The devil can't pull it out of you. That's when you become stable. That's when you become strong. When all of hell is going on, but you know that you know that you know that God has said this, and I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give in because I know what God has said about me. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, in Luke 4, verse 1, the Bible says that Jesus was full of the Spirit. You remember that? Think about that. If our Lord and Savior, if it was necessary, if it was important for Him to be full of the Spirit, how in the world do we think that we can get by in life, have the very best that God has available to us, live from victory to victory without being full of the Holy Ghost? We need the exact same thing. So it says that Jesus was full of the Spirit. Luke 4 verse 1. But then right after that, when he was tempted in the desert, we see that he was full of the Word. 
because he said it is written in every in response to every satanic ta- attack that came towards him. Now, how many of you have been attacked by Satan? Lift your hand. What did you say when you were attacked? Oh, my Lord. Help me, Jesus. Oh, Mr. Devil. You know, how did you speak? Because Jesus, when he was attacked, and he was attacked by Satan, the Bible says he spoke, it is written. And like I I tell my folks there at our church, you know, it's not enough to just say that phrase, it is written. The devil is not going to flee. If you just say, Mr. Devil, it is written. No, you've got to know what is written. And you have to tell him what is written. Are you with me? And so, what I want you to see is the association here. First of all, it says Jesus was full of the Spirit. Second of all, he began to speak the Word of God to his enemy. He began to speak the promises of God over his situation and his life. And so when you, what you speak demonstrates what you're full of. You ever heard somebody say, oh, man, you're full of it. Well, that's fine as long as you're full of the right thing, okay? If he's referring to the Holy Spirit, then that's great. Oh, man, you're full of it. But once you, what you speak, it really demonstrates what you're full of. Jesus said in Luke 6, 45, for the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if you are full of the Holy Spirit, guess what? It's going to come out of your mouth. People will be able to perceive that you're full of the Holy Ghost. I don't know how many of you have ever... uh, had a water hose out in the yard, and the water was, was turned on, but there was a, a little hole in the water hose. And all of a sudden, just, it just, the water just squirted out of that little hole. Has anybody ever seen that? Just squirting out of the hole. You know why? Because the water is going to flow wherever there's an opening. And, and the mouth is the little hole that the Holy Spirit spews out of when you are full of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And so, one of the ways that we will be full of the Spirit is by being full of the Word that Jesus says is Spirit. And we will be able to respond as we need to, when we need to speak, when we need to. But we'll also... Fill ourselves with the Spirit through prayer. And I want to I close on this point. You can look with me in, in Acts chapter 4, verse 31. In Acts 4, 31, it says, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. And so I want you to see the order here. The Bible says, when they had prayed, say, when they had prayed, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And so this shows us that being 
full of the Spirit was a result of the church's prayer. Amen? You know, it's interesting in James chapter 5, verse 17 and 18, the Bible says that Elijah, he prayed when there was a drought on the earth for three and a half years. And after that, the drought ended and then the rain fell. If prayer can remove a natural drought, then it most certainly can remove a spiritual drought. And so if you feel like you're in a spiritual drought, like I said, then you need to pray. But what type of prayer do you need to pray? Acts chapter 2 verse 4 says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, notice that we can only manage to speak in tongues because the Holy Spirit is giving us the utterance. Therefore, one very important way to be full of the Spirit is not just by praying in general, but it's by be praying in the Spirit, praying in other tongues, praying in the Holy Ghost. See, there's a divine connection between our spirit and the Holy Spirit when we pray in tongues. Praying in tongues, and, and my, my daughter, Emily, she makes fun of me because I'm not very technological. Anytime I need technology, I either talk to her or my son, Brandon. But I do know a little bit. And, uh, you know, praying in tongues is like turning on Bluetooth on your cell phone or on your computer. Uh, when Bluetooth is turned on, what happens is all of the files, all of the programs, all of the information that's in another person's device, it all of a sudden can be passed on to another device just like that. And so when you pray in tongues, your spiritual Bluetooth gets turned on and the Holy Spirit begins to fill you with His files with his programs, with his information. And the more you pray in the Spirit, the more Holy Ghost megabytes, help me out now, the more Holy Ghost megabytes are going to be downloaded inside of you. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so we need to be full of the Holy Ghost. We need to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to go as far as to say, I, I know e each and everybody has their own daily routine. And I can already, I'm, gonna, I'm going into the prophetic now. <laughs> and I guarantee that there, some of you have a daily routine of drinking coffee as soon as you get up in the morning. And it's almost automatic. It's like your body just automatically goes... Your eyes aren't even open, but it goes to the coffee maker. And, it, and the, 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 the finger automatically knows where the button is. You don't even have to look at it. It's a daily routine. And it wakes you up. Listen, we need to have spiritual daily routines. And part of that spiritual daily routine is being full of the Holy Ghost. I can tell you what. Living... Going through the day without having read your Bible, without having meditated in the Word, and without having prayed, it will have one effect. 
But you starting your day early in the morning, praying, seeking God with spiritual discipline, filling yourself up with the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you what. A lot of people, they'll say this. I just don't have time to do that. Let me tell you what. You don't have time to not do that. You know what I have noticed is when I fill myself up with the Holy Ghost in the beginning of the day, a lot of those things that were in my schedule, those things that I thought that I wouldn't be able to get done, the Holy Spirit during prayer will give me wisdom. And he'll say, listen, you can do this and you can cut that out and you can do this a different way. All of a sudden, I've got time, extra time. I can go play tennis or something. Are you with me? This is the life that God has chosen and given us to live, a life that is full of the Holy Ghost. If you're a born-again Christian, it's not enough just to be a Christian. God wants you to be overflowing with His Spirit. He wants you to be so full that you are amazingly blessed, but you're also overflowing on those that are around you. Can you say amen? amen? Praise the Lord. Close your eyes if you would. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to sow your word into the lives and into the hearts of each and every per person here. Lord, we talked this morning about being full of the Holy Ghost. And Lord, I pray that each and every one, as they have learned that the responsibility is not with you, but it's with each and every one of us. Lord, I pray that decisions would be made this morning. That they would uh, commit themselves to living this lifestyle. Because as they do, they will begin to experience the fullness of what you have offered and made available to them. And I thank you and praise you for it. And if there's anyone in this place that does not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, I thank you, Holy Spirit, for touching their heart right now. And I'd like to just ask if there is anyone. I, I, I recognize several people here. I know that the, the large majority is born again. But if there's only one person, you know, Jesus, he stopped everything so that he could talk to a Samaritan woman. And maybe there's just one person in this place that you're in doubt about your salvation. If you were to die today, you don't know where you would go. You don't know what would be of you. But you want to... And you acknowledge that Jesus, he died on the cross for you. He rose from the dead. He provided a new and living way so that you could have salvation and eternal life. If there's anyone in this place, you say, I need to make a covenant with Jesus. I want to accept him as my Lord and Savior. I want you to just lift your hand wherever you are. And with that hand lifted, you'll be acknowledging that. That's what you're saying, not to me. But it's what you're saying to God. And I want to be able to pray for you so that you can be born again. If there's anyone that has never been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And you would like to have that experience and lifestyle change in your own life. You can lift your hand as well. Is her hand, I think, uh, Fernandez is her name. Is that right? 
You want to be full of the Holy Spirit? Yes? Okay, you can come here if you don't mind. Edma. Edma.